David answered Rechab and his brother Ban, the sons of Ramon, the Beerthrite, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble. When someone told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death in Ziklag. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house and on his own bed, shall I not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A little awkward word of the Lord, right? This is from 2 Samuel chapter 4. And here, uh, just to give a recap, right? Uh, Saul is dead. He died in battle uh, against the Philistines. Uh, David um, did not go to battle to help either Israel or the Philistines. He was sent away, and he actually had to go and uh, save his wives and and the the families of his men because they got taken captive. And so now we have this this civil war taking place in which... uh, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, has been made king over Israel, but Judah has chosen to have David as their king. And at this moment, we find ourselves having to deal with the human experience of power and the desire to gain it, the, the desire for renown, the desire for recognition for something that we think is going to be right, that we think is going to be safe, that we think is going to be good, right? And so here we have we have David uh, reminiscing or, or thinking back on what happened at the beginning of 2 Samuel, in which uh, at the end of 1 Samuel, we have Saul who, uh, who falls on his own sword and dies. Uh, and he ends up getting stripped of his armor and his head gets cut off and, and he gets basically paraded to the Philistines uh, and, and they rejoice over the fact that they defeated, they defeated Saul. And then uh, David is waiting to hear what happened and, and uh, an Amalekite comes and tells David all that had happened. And the reality is, is that this uh, young man who comes to tell David uh, tells a lie in some ways, or he could have told a truth that was not given to us at the end of 1 Samuel, because he says that basically he um, came across Saul, who was gravely wounded, and killed him, and he brings David the crown of, of, of Saul, thinking that David would give him a reward for the fact that he has solidified David as a king. And yet David holds to what God has done previously in the anointing and the solidifying of of Saul as king, and that he was a servant of Saul. And he ends up having this messenger killed because this messenger assumed that he would receive praise from David for getting rid of Saul. And David actually writes a lament, a psalm of lament, over the death of Saul and of Jonathan. And then David gets anointed as king of Judah, and there's war that happens between David and the house of of Saul over this. 
And even Abner ends up uh, turning away from Saul's family and decides to help David gain control of the entire nation of Israel, not just Judah, but all the other tribes as well, by turning himself, the army, uh, many of the other tribes over to David and basically leaving Ishbosheth and whatever remained of the house of Saul on their own, without any protection, without any help. And so then we find ourselves here in chapter 4 of 2 Samuel. And we have uh, Rechab and, uh, let's see, what's his name? Baana, who were uh, sons of Ramon the Berethite. I can never say that right, from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, they um, come to David and they'd killed Ishbosheth while he was sleeping. Cut off his head, brought David his head and said, hey, here you go. We took care of everything for you. Uh, now you're good to go. We're heroes, right? Yay, us! Yay! And David goes, um, actually, that's not really how things are going to work around here. And he reminds them of what happened to this Amalekite that came and tried to announce good news to David that was not good news for David. And so we have them come and say it, that they, they say to him, you know, here is the head of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, your enemy who tried to kill you. This day the Lord has avenged my lord the king against Saul and his offspring. And David says, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, not recognizing Rechab and Baana as doing anything. When someone told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death in Ziklag. That's not a good story. That was his reward. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house and on his own bed, shall I now, not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? Here again we have two men. They come to David and they're expecting recognition. They're expecting a medal. They're expecting something, anything from David. And David says, no, that's not how these things work. How these things work is mercy, grace, things that are completely foreign to human nature. These men probably assumed that they would receive recognition and power and a position in the kingdom of David by doing what it is that they're doing for him. Assuming that they were doing the righteous thing by taking care of David's enemies. Where David is saying, no, the righteous thing was not to have committed murder. The righteous thing was not to assume that what you were doing was godly. And that can be a dangerous thing, right? It can be a dangerous thing for us to assume that we have the godly position because either one, we just believe it wholeheartedly. Two, we think that because we're going to do this, some sort of good is going to come out of it. Or three, we do it absolutely for selfish motives and we let our self-centeredness, our selfishness get in the way and then we assume that just because it's what we want that somehow it's God's will. And all those things can be very dangerous. 
assuming that that even what the consensus says is the right thing does not necessarily mean that it's the right thing. And that's the danger for us today. The danger for us today, especially as the church, especially as Christians, is to assume that there are certain things, that there's only one way to love one's neighbor, that there's only one way to um, to serve God, that there's only one way to be a humble servant of God, and that whatever that way is tends to be our own opinion rather than whatever it is that God does. Here David juxtaposes these two men and what they did against what it is that God has done. And David's saying, God has always delivered me out of every trouble. I was not worried about Ishbosheth. You decided to take it on your own hands and commit sin in order to kill him. If he had died in battle, that would have been one thing. But you murdered him for your own gain. You murdered him because you assumed I was a certain man when I am, when I am not that way. And here in many ways, we see how David is a man after God's own heart. Despite his own sins that he's had before and his own sins he has now and his own sins that he's going to have in the future. He's a man after God's own heart because he is not going to take someone's life in order to benefit his own selfish motives. Instead, he was allowing God to work out whatever it is that God is going to work out. And if that meant that David would only be king of Judah, then David would only be king of Judah. But he trusted that God was going to do what he was going to do. And here we, we are called upon, as Christians, to trust God, hold on to what it is that he promises us, realizing that for many of us, we might never see the fruit of whatever we think is the good or the right thing. And we have to be okay with that sometimes and not take things into our own hands to try and hurry up whatever we think is the promise of God so that God might be able to do his own work for us. Otherwise, we get ourselves in trouble, right? And then we get ourselves stuck on that treadmill that I always talk about because we do something Sin comes of it, we get harmed or somebody else gets harmed and we have to do something else to try and fix that and more than likely in that action we end up sinning against somebody, harming ourselves or harming others and it's just this horrible cycle because that is just who we are as sinners. But here the story is one of absolute reliance on the fact that God is going to do something but maybe not do it in our timing and definitely is going, is not, not going to sit there and rejoice because we took everything into our own hands thinking that whatever outcome comes is somehow God's doing because sometimes God surprises us in doing something that goes completely against what we expect. And so that comes back to our prayer for this week, right? Praying that God would hear us, but praying that our prayers would be in alignment with his will. Let us pray. Let thy merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of thy humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please thee. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow with our psalm.